Hey, good morning. Yeah, good morning this morning. It is a don't at me. And this is Get You Ready for the Masters. Talk some sense into the world show. Edition of Don't At Me. What am I talking about? Well, let's be honest. Uh, We got no football. We got no basketball. But this week, you know what we got? We got the Masters. And everybody's eyes are on El Tigre. Tiger Woods, mine are on there. I'll tell you right now, I'm not messing around, man. If Tiger Woods is playing it, I am watching it. That is a fact, Jack, period. If he's playing, I'm watching. You know, I know a lot of you out there, well, you know, he did this, that, or the other. He cheated on his wife. I don't care. That's between them. Well, he got in a car wreck. Hey, raise your hand if you haven't sped. Don't care. I know I'm supposed to. I know we're supposed to care about all things every day and look into everyone's background from 20 years ago and then make our decisions. You know what I do? I do as a fat, bald American male. I look for one thing and one thing only, and that's appointment television if I'm not doing something. Like, I'm going to Vegas this weekend. I'm leaving Thursday night. I'm playing golf all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, flying back Sunday night. That's right. If I ain't doing something, I want appointment TV. And you know who is appointment TV? That's right, ladies and gentlemen, El Tigre. Tiger Woods and really the Masters itself is appointment TV. Like we all know the holes. We know 13 and 15 are par fives. uh, Number 16 is at par three where if you hit the slope on Sunday, it'll come down. We all know this. But having said that, Tiger Woods makes it great. And we are going to give you on this show the absolute best guy to talk to. His name is Ryan Burr, long time with ESPN, then long time with the Golf Channel, now back with ESPN doing golf. He will tell you how to bet this, Masters. He will tell you who's going to win, how they're going to win, and what they're going to do to win. Ryan Burr is the best. He is can't-miss television, radio, every single time he's on with me. I want to thank all of you for paying attention. Last night, you know, I do brag when we win, but I also got to tell you when we lost, myself, uh, my stepson, Jared Lee, my friend, Brett Glaze, we went to trivia night last night over at the old district tap, came in last. Somebody actually accused us of cheating. Like I was doing my homework with Dylan. You're not supposed to be on your phone, but I don't care. I'm not trying to win nothing. I'm just there to have a few beers, a nice dinner and hang out with my peeps. But I was on my phone. Guy accused us of cheating. Because I was on my phone doing my homework with Dylan. My wife went at him, boy. She went at him on Twitter. (laughs) But anyway, uh, let's talk about Tiger. All right. The conversation has gone from, as I watch Tiger on the Golf Channel here at my house, the conversation always goes like this with Tiger Woods. Is he going to play to, huh? What if he's going to make the cut? To, you know, what happens if Tiger wins? Doesn't it always go that way? Seriously. Well, I don't know if Tiger's going to play. I don't think he's going to. You know, he had all these injuries. Ah, you know, it'd be a miracle if he played. Uh, I think I might play, Tiger says. He's not even officially playing. Now, he does have a tee time, and it's tomorrow around 1030. But the truth of the matter is, it's not like he has officially said, I'm going to play. But my brain already went to, hmm, how are we going to bet this? He's plus 5,000 to win. I'm not betting him to win. And if he does win, what does that say about, I don't know, DJ, Kepka, Rory, 
Justin Thomas. I mean, what does it say about him? Like, you can't beat an old man on a broken leg? Again? Remember he won the U.S. Open on a broken leg? He was plus 110 to make the cut. Now, here's the way I look at this with making the cut. Making the cut is not, this is probably the easiest cut to make. Because you got in the field, right? You got in the field a bunch of dudes that don't belong in the field. Like Larry Mize is playing. Larry Mize won in like 1904. You know, hey, Freddie Couples is playing. You know know what I'm saying. If you want a Masters and you are always invited to play, and there will be an old guy on the leaderboard day too early. It always happens. In 1986, that old guy was Jack Nicklaus. And I remember watching. I was just out of college. I went home to my parents' house for the weekend, and we're sitting there watching, and I'm like, yeah, he'll fold. Because at that time, 46 seemed old. Now 46 is just getting started. But I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching, and Nicholas didn't stop. Well, I've watched kind of the leaderboard ever since. You know, older Freddie Couples has popped up there once in a while. Bernhard Longer, a guy who stretches and does all the stuff that you're supposed to do to maintain conditioning, he's on there. So there will be an old guy pop up. I don't know who it's going to be, but there will be one. And if that guy's Tiger Woods, let me tell you what's going to happen to everybody around the golf world. Uh, sphincter closed. And let me tell you what's going to happen to ratings on the golf coverage. Uh, It's already like this, right? It's going to be like this because I want to see Tiger. You want to see Tiger. And part of Tiger's uh, malfeasance as a married man is what draws us to him. Dude's not perfect. Jack Nicklaus was perfect. Had the perfect wife, had the perfect kids, had the perfect swing, won the most championships, and we love Jack. But there's something we like about the damn bad boy. There's just something we like about it. I'm sad that Mickelson isn't there. You know my stance on Mickelson. Mickelson should tell him, hey, up yours. I'm playing. Don't at me, people. Well, speaking of that, Bryson DeChambeau yesterday, he spoke. My spies tell me that Bryson DeChambeau was all in on that Saudi league. Like, there was about 20 guys, all that you know, that were all in on Greg Norman's Saudi league, that all of a sudden saw what happened to Phil Mickelson, and they got on the bat phone, baby, and they said, hey, 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 I'm off, I'm off, I'm off, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. Why? Because Mickelson lost sponsors. Mickelson lost cachet. And there's no question that Bryson DeChambeau was on that list. Hell, every article you read, Bryson DeChambeau's name was attached to it. Now, those of you that know me, you know that I can't stand the media. I don't think the media is ever right. But I do think if your name is on there all the time, where there's smoke, there's fire. Let's just put it that way. But here's what I like about DeChambeau. First off, without his hat, maybe even with his hat, Bryson DeChambeau looks like that frat boy you want to punch in college, right? I don't suggest it because he's a big, strong dude, right? But he looks like that little frat dude that, you know what, you just wanted to punch. You're looking at him, and yeah, he shot. That's what he looks like. Now, I don't know if that's what he is. He spoke yesterday, and I got to tell you, I did like what he said. He said, look, I'm 80%. He's coming off of, what is he coming off? A hairline fracture in his left hand. He fell on his ass. He Charlie Brown, Purdue basketballed it. Fell right on his backside playing ping pong 
with Sergio on the marble floors. I mean, only professional golfers, right? Let me ask you all a question. Jennifer out there, when's the last time that you fell on your ass on a marble floor? Lee! Lee! Get rid of the marble. It's too slippery around here. Seriously. When's the last time? Well, anyway, DeChambeau did. He fell on a marble floor. He says he's 80%, but he couldn't resist coming to the Masters. Hey, look, respect, yo. But the thing that I would say is, all right, smart move. See, I always think there's a backstory. Always. Not sometimes. Always a backstory. Like, don't at me. Don't tell me. There's always something behind it. And to me, the shamble what's behind it is, hey, man, I'm going to clean up my image. I'm going to wipe my backside. I'm going to make sure that nobody thinks of me any longer as the guy that is, well, is he thinking about Saudi Arabia? Is he undermining the tour? Is he breaking what made him? He saw what happened to Phil. 80%, I got to be at the Masters. And he's right. Good for him. I'm all in on him. Hey, look, if you got to do that, God bless you, man. I am all in on you. Go to the Masters, play hurt. If you're involved in the Saudi League, I don't care. Everybody's looking for a better opportunity. Who cares? Phil should show up. Hey, let's be honest. Who are you crapping? Phil should show up. Phil not only should show up, but Phil should walk right in there and say, hello, world, like Tiger did as an introductory press conference. Hello, world, I am here. You don't like it? Kiss the you-know-what. I earned the right to play. You want to yell at me? Yell at me. I'm the bad guy. Get all your sad out. Let's go. That's what Phil needed to do. Instead, according to DeChambeau, Phil has gone dark, in his word. Not answering phone calls, not answering tweets, not answering texts. Don't do that. Screw that. I did that once and I regret it. Should have never done it. Ah, but what are you going to do? All right, here's the deal. LeBron James is out of the playoffs. LeBron James is out of the playoffs and I'm not happy about it. Hey, I understand. Like my friends here on the YouTube chat, Ryan Mueller, maybe Boiler Up, Mudcat, you know, Brad Buffington, Sean uh, Black, El Presidente, I don't know how any of them feel. You know what I mean? Dave Carroll is right. He'll watch golf in, in, no matter what. I don't know how any of y'all feel about LeBron James. Like, I'm tired of LeBron James, if you want to know the truth. But I'm kind of tired of LeBron James in a good way. I know that his politics, or whatever you think his politics are, rub people the wrong way. I know the whole load management. My thing is carrying the purse out of a press conference. But you know what? I don't even care about any of that. I want LeBron James in the playoffs. LeBron James and the Lakers missed the playoffs. And now everybody's taking shots at LeBron James, right? Let me tell you something. LeBron James has been under a hell of a microscope since he was 18 years old, 17, 15, 16. You name it, he's been under it. Back when he was in Ohio, he got suspended from playing for a while because he drove a Hummer, supposedly provided by Nike. You know what? Who cares? I mean, in the world we live in today, I used to care about that stuff. Now, who cares? Here's what I want. When LeBron James is in the playoffs, basketball, my basketball, 
is better. What does that mean? Well, it means this. I watch these guys today. Half of them don't know how to play. They can all shoot. Nobody guards anybody. Last night, the Pacers gave up like 84 in the first half. LeBron James has morphed into, at least for me, old school, which is weird because he's new school, but he's old school. Plays the game the right way. Now, yeah, load management. Yeah, all the stuff that I mentioned. But let me tell you what the NBA is doing today, what the West is doing today. Glad he's out. And it's not because of his team they're glad he's out. No, they're glad he's out because if you're going to play against the Lakers in the playoffs, it means you got to beat them four times in two weeks, and that ain't easy. That ain't easy. It's one thing to say, well, we beat LeBron on a February afternoon or night, game 62. Uh, Truth of the matter is, who cares? I'm talking about four times out of seven in two weeks, you're going to try to beat LeBron? All right. Okay. If that's what you say, then okay. But that ain't that easy. So the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, you name it, they're all going to Nuggets. Whew. All right, we don't have to deal with him. We, he and frickin' Anthony Davis, we don't have to deal with. And you know the NBA is a star-driven league. So not having to deal with a LeBron James-led team in the playoffs is, whew, thank goodness. Seriously. Now, a lot of you are like, well, you know, you're going to see all the haters out there go, well, what's next for LeBron? I don't know. I don't know. I agree with Brad Buffington. I do. Brad says on the YouTube chat, hey, look, LeBron's load management is thumbing his nose at people who pay good money to watch him play. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And when he load managed 11 games into the season a few years ago, I'm sitting there going, I'm done with you. So I don't really, I don't know that I've watched an NBA game, but I do watch the playoffs, and I do want LeBron in the playoffs. I do. Uh, seriously. I mean, I like watching him in the playoffs. Now, adding Russell Westbrook, I told you this. I mean, nobody listens to me. I have no idea why I'm not, you know, running an NBA team. But I told you, you can't add Westbrook to that. I watched Westbrook one time in person with Jeff Van Gundy. We were doing a game. And I remember everybody telling me how good Westbrook is. And, of course, on the broadcast, I'm like, oh, he's really good. I remember thinking, and you guys will know this term if you listen to my show, good enough to get you fired. That's right. Good enough to get your ass fired. What does that mean? That means, man, after the game, the owner comes to the coach. He goes, how can we be losing his games? Do you see Russell Westbrook? He's going down the court. He got another triple-double. But we're losing. That's on you, coach, because we've got good players like Westbrook. Nuh-uh. You got horse bleep players like Westbrook. That's why your team stinks. I don't care the numbers. A fanboy cares about the numbers. You can't win with guys that are out of position defensively, only thinking about statistics, take bad shots, don't engage your teammates, act like they're prima donnas, and frankly care more about fashion than they do about winning. Michael Jordan, Jordan dressed to the nines. Just walked in the game, had himself a pot of coffee, smoked a cigar, went out. Cared about winning. Yeah, he wanted to get his, but he cared about winning. 
I've never gotten the impression that Russell Westbrook is that. Don't at me, people. Don't at me. He's good enough to get you fired. I've seen so many guys good enough to get you fired. It's amazing. Why are we losing? ADs, athletic directors. Look, you got a number one recruiting class or number 20 recruiting class. You got the number one recruiting class in our conference. Why are we in fifth? Well, because the guys that rated the number one recruiting class don't know their ass from third base, and this guy's driving me crazy. Well, you brought him in. Absolutely. That's college basketball. In the NBA, I don't know who brings him in. I mean, does Palinka bring him in? Does LeBron bring him in? Does Vogel, LeBron, and Palinka bring him in? I don't know. But what I do know is he is good enough to get you fired. I say James Harden is good enough to get you fired. Prove me wrong, and then we'll talk. Serious business. You know who's not good enough, but he won't get you fired? And you're not going to believe this guy even matters? Udonis Haslam. Udonis Haslam, the enforcer for the coach, for Pat Riley, for Eric Spolstra, with the Heat, is more valuable to his team, and he never plays, than Russell Westbrook has ever been to any team, period. Because he helps you win. He sets your culture. He's got the coaches back with the players, and there's nothing more important. Everybody in the NBA can coach. Basically, everybody in college can coach. I mean, everybody can run an out-of-bounds play, but I said all that, but you got to have the entire coach-player relationship, a, co- a player-run team in conjunction with the coach. And if you don't have that, you got no shot. And with Russell Westbrook, you'd never have that, and he's never had a shot, period. Don't at me. Don't at me. And by the way, Ryan Mueller is looking at Parks, uh, Mahoning Valley, Will Rogers Downs, and Turf Paradise. Go to Twitter. Follow Ryan Cindy, too, if you want to make some money this afternoon. The dude is money on horse racing tracks. I mean, that's why this is the greatest show you're ever going to hear or see, because we just give it to you. We give you everything. We, We don't give you some things. We give you every damn thing. I just gave you a guy you've never heard of, Ryan Mueller. Ryan Cindy 2 on Twitter. He'll post his picks. If you play him, may lose a couple, may win a couple. If you play him the way he tells you at the end of the week, all I know is the one week I did it during the freaking uh, COVID, I won $900 and I never bet more than 20 bucks on a race. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Uh, Oscar Shebway won the Wooden Award. Oscar Shebway has a first name named Oscar, which means he should win every award. You don't hear Oscars anymore. I mean, think about it. You don't hear Abe's, you don't hear Oscars. Oscar Shebway is la machine. Oscar Shebway transferred from West Virginia last year. Oscar Shebway went to Kentucky, and he transferred in the middle of the year for whatever the reason. Yeah, I don't know the reason. What the hell do I know? I don't know the reason. I just know that Oscar Shebway transferred. So all Oscar Shebway did was become a dude that, oh, I don't know, rebounded every freaking missed shot, scored 15 or more, rebounded 15 or more, and in a year where there were a lot of good players, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, there were a lot of good players. For a while, Jaden Ivey looked like he was rocking and rolling. For a while, Keegan Murray looked like he was rocking and rolling. Jabari Smith was having a hell of a year. I mean, there was a lot of guys. Johnny Davis. But I got to tell you, 
Oscar Shibwe just kept doing his thing. Now, I don't know if Oscar Shibwe is a pro or not. I have no idea. You know, the pros do two things. Number one, they try to get guys, big guys, that can shoot the basketball because that's what you got to do. Number two, they bet on potential. Oscar Shibwe's fourth-year guy. I don't know if that makes him too old. doesn't seem like it makes him too old, at least to me. I don't know why that's too old. But at the end of the day, that's what the NBA looks like. But I'll tell you this, man. Oscar Shibwe is like Moses Malone. Look him up. Look him up. Fo, fo, fo. Moses Malone was the baddest ass there ever was in basketball, at least in my opinion. I don't know about early in his career, late in his career. He's the guy that told Charles Barkley, and Charles told the story on this show uh, that, hey, Charles, you're a fat ass. You can't be a pro if you're going to be a fat ass. Moses Malone is revered in the world of basketball for his toughness, his rebounding, his team play, whatever. All right? So when I tell you Oscar Shibwe reminds of Moses Malone, pretty good. He also, and you're going to think this is weird, it's also nice to see Oscar Shibwe's interview and see Aaliyah Boston being interviewed. Now, those of you that listen to this show know I love Aaliyah Boston. Aaliyah Boston, the ladies' player, the women's player, I don't even know, however the hell you're supposed to say it, the women's player for South Carolina is one of my favorite basketball players slash people in the country. She plays really hard. She got some Moses Malone in her too, actually probably more than Shibwe. She's on that block doing work. But then what a great personality, man. What a great energy that Aaliyah Boston has. So does Oscar Shibwe, man. See, criticize me, don't cri- I don't care. But the truth of the matter is you're never going to see me show up unenthusiastic. Like I wake up and I sing every morning. True story. I, give, I, I, I got a song and my wife is like, every morning you sing an idiotic song and every morning it sticks in my head and every morning we just love it. So Oscar Shibwe winning is awesome because Oscar Shibwe has personality. He's got heart. He's old school. He ain't about him. He's about team. Don't know how they lost against St. Peter's. Seems like the most ridiculous thing in the world, but I don't care. Oscar Shibwe and Aaliyah Boston, congratulations to both of you. You two are awesome. If I had a company, I'd hire you tomorrow, but you should go play professional basketball, make a zillion dollars, transform the game like Magic Johnson with your smile, your heart, your play, your personality. Salute! Zivio! Love it. All right. Check out this video. So, <sighs> look at our guy. <laughs> it's like me in a sorority house back in college. Nobody wanted to talk to me. It's like, I'm there, and then Alford showed up, and everybody went over to Alford, and I'm standing around looking at myself going, hey, what the hell? Everybody's not around here. Is this freaking awesome? Look at the leader. That's my man, Indy Spanglish. When you bring, bring your big brother to a party, look at the leader. What? What? Huh? Nobody's around. Nobody wants to talk to me. Where am I? Huh? There's flies. Flies. <laughs> Obama shows up. Hey, how are you? You got eight years of doing nothing, Obama, but we love you, man. Uh, hope and change. Forward. You know, all that stuff. There's a great episode. I actually watched it last night of 30 Rock. 
And if you watch it, it's great. It's the second part of a two-part, you know, uh, 30 Rock's the greatest show in the history of the world. And Jenna Maroney is going to basically pick the president. And Liz Lemon on the show is a liberal, and even she can't come up with anything Obama did. It's really funny. You, you'll like it. I mean, I know all you guys. I, my, you're being political. Obama's the greatest president. You're racist. Hope and change. Yeah, okay, hope and change. But Obama is very popular, as evidenced by his $12 million mansion that somehow he got being a public servant. But anyway, uh, hope and change shows up, and everybody goes to him. Look at our guy. Our guy's waltzing around like, huh? Huh? Where's my Metamucil? Huh? Can't hear you. That's like me. That's, whenever I go to a party, I walk around, I'm like, hey, what, 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 what? Nobody wants to talk to me? But he's the president of the free freaking world. <laughs> Hope and change died when this guy got in. Man, hey, look, instead of worrying about whether or not anybody wants to talk to you when Obama shows up, I got, a, I got advice for the president, okay? Take your vice president who is in charge of the border Get your ass and her ass down to the border and stop letting everybody rush in. I got people in New Mexico that tell me stories that are unbelievable. I got people in Texas that tell me stories that are unbelievable. Instead of worrying about all this nonsense, where's everybody? Get your ass down to the border, secure a damn border, and let's go. Man. (laughs) And by the way, This is just a side note. My man, Indy Spanglish, is not a good follow on Twitter. He is a great follow on Twitter. Like, he is funny, topical, smart, wise, and just, I don't know him, but I like him. I, I, uh, is that DMs on Twitter where you, you know, I send him Bible verses because I just like the guy. I think he's great. So follow Indy Spanglish, telling you, freaking great. But our guy walking around here, hey, is that third base or is that my ass? That used to be my dad saying, you don't know your ass from third base. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Wait, it's got a crease in the middle, third base. I don't know. (laughs) And now the Libbies are, well, you know, that's not real. That looks real to me. Well, that's edited. Okay. Well, what about Trump? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Either. You know, anytime you're even a little critical. Well, Trump, what, what about him? Uh, I don't know. What about, what about him? He hadn't been in office in a couple of years. I don't know. Well, Trump did that. Yeah, I don't know. I just know that our man here, wow. <sighs> hey, look. What's that lady's name? Saki. Uh, before you go to MSNBC, will you do yourself a favor and protect this man? Because <laughs> it's too good. <laughs> well, at least he didn't say. Yeah, I agree. At least he didn't say. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But <laughs> 81 million people supposedly voted for that. 81 million, most all time. People so excited to vote that they waited until you went to sleep to count them. 
81 million for that. Okay. Uh, when we come back, the great Ryan Burr, baby. Yeah, you're going to do not leave. Uh, there's a couple hundred people watching this on, on uh, OutKick right now. Do yourself a favor. Seriously. Go run. Tell your friends. Tweet this out. Hey, if you could retweet this, that Ryan Burr's coming up, I'm telling you, your friend, you're going to get more Twitter followers because Ryan Burr is really good. And he will come on, he will get rocking, he will get rolling, he will get shaking, he will get baking, and you will love. And get a pen and paper, I got one, because he's going to tell you who to bet and how to bet. The Masters. I'm already getting ready, I'm that fired up. All right, we come back, we got Ryan Burr, and then after Ryan, we've got the world's smartest woman. Actually, we got the world's smartest human. What's her name? Allison Williams. And then I got What the Hell Wednesday. Some dude get 90 booster shots? What are we doing? All right, we'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. All right. It's Masters Week, but actually it could be any week because to Ryan Burr, it doesn't matter. And making birdies, B-U-R-R-D-I-E-S, is one of the great, if not the best golf podcast you will ever come across. Make sure you go and go follow Ryan at Ryan Burr. He is at a rest stop because he respects the show, people on his way to Augusta. Appreciate you respecting the show, big boy. Hey, man. Double D, you know uh, that's what I do. I know it is. All right. I saw you said something earlier today. There is, when betting and talking masters, don't you think that picking who's going to win regardless of the money line is more important than the money line or the line on him? What is your thought here? Yeah, well, there's a couple things with the Masters. One, uh, there's only 15 players that can win the Masters. And that's like fact. I mean, every year, uh, people had debated this for a decade. And every year, I give them my list of 15. And sure enough, I have a winner of the Masters. It happens each and every year. There's only 15 guys that can actually win the Masters. Now, that's not top five. That's not finished second. That's not finished third. It's actually win. Like Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world, the top betting favorite, cannot win the Masters this week. He's off the list. Cross him off the list if you just want a winner. Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world, the guy that has won three of the last five, can't win this week. He's never played the Masters before. Of course, that's only happened once, Fuzzy Zeller, a million years ago. Plus, it's a horrible course for Scheffler. I'd be really surprised if he finished in the top 15 top 20. With that said, there are 15 guys. And that really what that does is a normal PGA tour event or another major championship. The amount of people that can win is usually in the mid thirties. So your odds of predicting the winner of the masters is by all accounts, it's by far the easiest event of the year to predict because there's just such a few number of players that can actually win it. Make sense? Give me – all right. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I said that earlier. You got a lot of guys in there that are my age, for crying out loud, or right, older. Right, well, right. Well, half the field – half the field, right, it's a ceremonial deal. It's the, it's the smallest field in right. golf before you even start. And then with the smallest field in golf, you got guys that won it in the 30s that are <laughs> – I'm kidding, but you got guys that obviously, <laughs> right. you know, right. they have 0.0 chance of even making the cut. They're just out there because they won the Masters. So you're just – 
every metric you take, you just continue to reduce, reduce, reduce. And then once you get the guys that are there that are all really good players, you can then take a metric of Augusta National and the Masters, and if you apply it to said player, you end up with 15 guys that actually can win it. And really, that's the list. There's no way it's outside my 15 guys that can win the Masters. I'm not going to sit here and recite all 15. You can go and, uh, making birdies and find out who can win it. I'll tell you who I think is going to win it and who I think is going to play really well. And I'm going to make you some money today on on the show. But as far as guys that can win it, like you said, you know, your betting odds when you get to the Masters, you just want the winner. You know, Scheffler's the favorite. He can't win. Rom's the second favorite. Rom has a great history here. Rom's been lurking in the weeds. He's had a bad year, which I don't love the fact that he really hasn't showed his face and, and been in pressure at all this year. Um, but you know, certainly John Rom, because of what he's done on this golf course before, he's top five to, to death. Uh, Rom's a guy that is on your list of fifteen. He's not my he's not my guy this week, but Rom's a guy that can win the Masters. I'm going to send everybody to making birdies, but you got to give us your guy. But first, does Tiger Woods make the cut? That's the bet. Uh, that is the the bet, and and you know I'm going to bet him to make the cut. And I honestly believe, I, I think C, uh, ESPN and CBS were brilliant in starting him early tomorrow. No one will see a shot because I think it will be touch and go the entire Friday afternoon in the cut, off the cut, in the cut, off the cut. And it will be good television to see if Tiger plays the weekend. Here's the deal. The swing looks really good for Tiger. Uh, I like the fact that he's not swinging as hard as he can. I actually think that makes a better Tiger. Um, but he can't walk. And what's going to happen is I think Thursday, Friday, you see a pretty good Tiger. When I say pretty good, I'm talking about being able to make the cut. And it it could get ugly on the weekend. It could get get really ugly, unfortunately. Uh, You know, he hasn't played in forever. So I don't care how good you are at something. You know, you're going to be rusty. The wind's going to be blowing. I like the swing. Obviously, he knows – Augusta National, like the back of his hand. So he has an advantage over everyone else before he starts just on where to hit it, where to miss it, which means I think he'll be able to hang around. My concern over time is as that leg hurts more and becomes more tired and then some bad habits creak in and you're, you're trying to protect the leg while you're swinging and that's not a great recipe uh, to get things done. So from that standpoint, uh, from that standpoint, I don't think it's a, a great fit for him to like contend or anything like that, but my money's on him to make the cut. Who's your guy? Who's your favorite? Say again? Who's your favorite? Yeah, so my favorite this week is a guy that is down the list, and this, this if he was the favorite, he'd still be my favorite. It has nothing to do with the fact that he's 25-1 to 1 right now. But I love everything that Kepka has done this year. Uh, he never wants to be at his best in January, February, or March. Like, that's kind of the funny thing about Kepka is he is the one guy out there that kind of treats PGA Tour events like warm-ups. Uh, and he wants to peak for the majors. And since 2016 at the major championships, you take everyone's score 
from all four majors and you put them together since 2016, Brooks Kepka is 92 under par. The next closest is Dustin Johnson at 28. He is 64 shots better. Wow. 64 shots wow. better than number two. So I actually, yeah, yeah. I, and I like the way he's playing this year. He appears really healthy to me. His putter has been bad all year, which has held him back. Um, so that's like the, that's the, the, the caveat for if he doesn't win, it's going to be because he doesn't putt well. Um, but I, my money, especially, I also love the odds, by the way, the 25 to one is awesome. But if he was 10 to one, he'd be my pick. I like Kepka this week. Uh, I like the way everything is pointing towards this event. I love how he plays in major championships. I love how uh, he knows only 15 guys can win. And he'll tell you that. He'll tell everybody that there are only 15 guys that can win. And he'll say, you know, think about that for a second. Last week or two weeks ago, I was at a PGA Tour event where 40 guys could win. I had to beat 39 guys to win. He didn't, he didn't do it. This week, he's got to beat 14 guys. He likes those odds. Why are the odds so long on Kepka? Because he has played well. I remember you telling me back a while he was really hurt and it would struggle, but he seems to have overcome that. Why, why are the odds long on him? Because he hasn't done anything in a long time. Now, he has two top 15s, uh, which is one of those metrics that goes back six straight years. Your master champion had two top 15s on the season before the Masters. You'd be shocked how many guys don't have that. Uh, there's just a handful of guys that have two top 15s on the year. But a, a 13th, a 14th place finish doesn't necessarily tell mainstream America that you're ready to win. Uh, it tells me you are because to be in the top 15, you, you've got to be hitting the ball really good. It just, you didn't putt that week. You didn't get a couple breaks. Maybe you got a bad draw, whatever it may be. He hasn't won in forever. And because of that, he has, you know, fallen down the list of, of guys. The list, as I'm looking at it, you know one guy that has not been talked about, I don't think all year, and maybe he has and I haven't noticed, but I think I pay attention. What's happened with Dustin Johnson? Dustin's very much on this list. Uh, I actually think Dustin is. Yeah, got to be. Yeah, uh, he knows the course. He's got it figured out. He's another one of the very few guys that isn't winning but is really pointing up. If you go to the match play two weeks ago, Double D, in, in Austin, uh, he found himself in the final four and was playing great golf. He ultimately lost. And when the third place game, he just mailed it in. I mean, he has no interest in playing for third place, and it showed. But I saw everything I needed to see in the previous rounds that I really like where Johnson's game is. And I will definitely, he will be on my, he is, you know, on my list of five that will get the mo- most of my money. Is Rahm on that list? You already talked about him. Yeah, is he I on mean, that list of five? No, not on my list of five. I mean, I, I know Rahm can win. I like him in this golf course, and you know how I feel like he's the best player in the world, regardless of what the rankings say. Um, I think the, you know, had a he has a newborn, and that can be tricky with – you know, managing your life and, and being at your best. Um, with that said, uh, you know, it's taken him 
some time this year. And when you are as good as Rom, it could be that he just wants to be peaked at this point, and we really haven't seen much this year. Uh, not on my list of five, but certainly uh, Rom is on uh, on DraftKings. I'm on a lot of those millionaire makers, and I've got Rom on a lot of teams. As far as a straight bet, uh, I'll have Rom and you know just try to make easy money, and I'll just take the money that they're willing to give me with Rom with the top ten, just because I I almost feel like that's a lock, and I, I like easy money. I do too, and that's why I like having you on because you make us all money. He does. I mean, look, if you don't know who Ryan Burr is, that's on you. I feel like there's a number of young guys, and I'm going to go through them here, and I don't know if they're all the same. I don't know that they're not all the same. You got the kid who played really well, Zeltoris, last year. Morikawa yeah. has one, obviously. Hovland. You know, I feel, you know, Cam Smith's a guy that people don't know. Yeah. But when you look at a guy like Hovland, you put Morikawa in there, and you add, like, a Zeltoris in there. Um, they got a shot. Right. So Zalator is no, uh, you know, finished second last year, but he's never won any chance he's had to win. He, it's just throw up city, um, which is, you know, it's tough to bet. You haven't been able to close anything out because you threw up all over yourself. And now you're going to expect to, to be able to handle that <laughs> Sunday on the back nine at the masters. So I like Zalator a lot. I mean, there's nobody that hits it better, but I just don't like him to win. Uh, Hoplin and Morikawa can both win. They both have to overcome some odds to do it. Morikawa's won two of the last five majors, so you'd be crazy not to say he couldn't win this. Uh, both guys have the number one metric to play well at Augusta National is that strokes gained approach. You have to be a great iron player. Hideki last year was the best iron player coming in. He won the Masters. Tiger, his whole career, has been the best iron player. He's won five, mate. He's won five Masters. So, like, iron play is so important, and Hovland and Morikawa are two of the best. Now, DJ and Brooks obviously uh, fit that boat as well, and they've had a little more experience around these tracks. Experience means so much. It means so, so much. If I had to take one of the two this week, I'd probably lean Hovland over Morikawa. Uh, I think both guys fight a little bit with this golf course and over time we'll figure it out more uh, experience means a lot to me I like Adam Scott more than I like those two young guys and that's me taking an old guy I like Louis Oosthuizen more than Morikawa and Hovland that's another old guy so I actually I actually lean towards experience and past history and who's playing well right now I like the way Oosthuizen and Scott are both playing the worst thing about Louie's game this week is that he tees off with Tiger Thursday and Friday, and we know the the uh, we know the the theater that will come with that. I mean, you're you're dealing with you know seeming like the entire world is on your hole, and the problem with that is if Tiger plays his shot, twenty thousand people get up and leave to go to the next hole to be in position <laughs> yes. for Tiger, and if Louie hasn't hit his shot yet. It is distracting when 20,000 people are all moving, walking away from the hole that you're trying to concentrate and hit it to, which is one of the reasons that Tiger's always just playing with Tiger has been a horrible recipe for someone else to win and be in contention on Thursday, Friday, just because of all the distraction that comes with a guy that is going to have every single person there 
trying to cram in to see him. And then the second he hits, they're all leaving to try to go see him on the next hole. So it, it can be a bit of a, uh, a crap show. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, the defending champ, Hideki uh, Matsukawa. He and DeShambo, they're hurt. Yeah. Does that eliminate them in this? It does, Hideki. Hideki Just can't eliminates win. Them, right? it can't, Hideki can't win. DeShambo's healthy now, healthier. Uh, he really struggles because he relies so much on science, and all of his wins have come with the green reading book that tells you scientifically what the green does, where to hit it, how it breaks. He's never played well when he doesn't have that, that book to read. He's always putted horribly at the masters. With that said, I do think he is healthier uh, than people think because he came back, he was rusty, not healthy, but that's several weeks ago. Uh, If he's hitting it straight, as long as he hits it, you know, just on the, he's going to destroy the par fives. Uh, I always worry about his putting here. Um, but believe it or not, DeChambeau is on my list of 15 because I actually do think he can win and do think he will win a Masters before it's all said and done. Is Mickelson making a mistake not showing up? Well, he's being advised to to get out, you know, I do think there was a suspension that was involved. Now that a, a suspension from the tour would not, it would not, you know, the masters wouldn't qualify for that because the tour and the masters aren't related. Um, but I do think that, you know, just going away, letting the thing die down uh, and coming back, you know, the thing about it is he can win at the, he can win at Augusta national. And now he's 51 going on 50 two or whatever, like, you know, there, there does come a point in time where he's just physically not going to be able to win anymore. So I don't know how many more masters he has where he could actually be a factor. I would have thought, you know, with tiger stealing all the oxygen, I actually think it would have been, it would have had he shown up, he would have gotten a ton of attention, but tiger still would have gotten most of the attention. Uh, so yes, you know, I think, Coming, him coming back the same week as Tiger came back actually would have been a strong play by him just because Tiger, you know, would, there's a lot of people in mainstream sports that don't even know what Phil Mickelson did or who he was involved with. That, you know, they're just interested in Tiger Woods. So it would have been a little bit of a buffer. But, you know, I got to respect his decision and, and, and just completely disappearing. And when he comes back, he comes back. I mean, I, when he does come back, I don't think it's going to be huge news anymore. I think people have moved on. Who's your five? Yep, my five. I gave you. I gave you a few of them, but uh, I got Kepka, DJ. I got Adam Scott. I got Louis Oosthuizen, and my wild card this week is Danny Willett. I mean, not Danny Willett. Uh, Danny Willett won the Masters when I predicted Danny Willett uh, to win the Masters. You did. Yeah. I, yes, you did. On my life, I had Danny Willett the year he won the Masters. Terrell uh, uh, Hatton. Uh, is a great wind player, and it's supposed to blow there. So I think Hatton is a part of this story uh, all the way through Sunday, and you can make a lot of money on that. Man, so you've got Kepka, DJ, Scott, Oosthuizen, and Hatton. That's my five. That's leaving out some damn good players. That's my five. I know. That's 
That's why I love you. Yeah. I love this because you're not going, you know, everybody else wants to say Rom and, you know, whatever. You can make some money if any one of these guys hits. I'm betting them all just because yeah. you say so. When and you my, say it, I and my super it. I long that. shot, my super long shot is Tony Finau, where you, that will make you a millionaire if you bet Finau. Uh, that's my super duper long shot. I always give you super duper. That's the super what's duper. Been, what's going with him? What, what's up with him? It felt like he was always around it. Where's he been? Yeah, horrible year. Um, horrible season. Uh, but. He's got this place figured out, and his game matches the course. And this, if you go back and just look at top 10 leaderboards the last 10 years, there's always like a guy that you were like, oh, man, I, why did I leave him off my list? He, he always plays well here. He's one of the best players in the world. Well, he's had a horrible year. He's going to be on no one's list, Dan. Like, no one is going to have Finau. And I got a sneaky suspicion Tony Finau is, is there and plays well this week. Tell you what, uh, you're always great, man. I appreciate your time. I know you're driving to Augusta. When are you on my television? When am I seeing you? Nonstop, Double D, nonstop. So with that said, I'm going uh, to be late for a meeting. So we'll talk to you this afternoon on the radio. Adios. Thank you, my friend. Hello. And since he's going to go, I'm going to go because uh, i got to go to the bathroom. How about that? We're going to be back with Allison Williams next. That's it. i got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Uh, I screwed it up. Allison Williams is on at 1030, and that shows you how dumb I am. Uh, Look, here's the deal. I got What the Hell Wednesday for you. What the Hell Wednesday is glorious. It is absolutely glorious. All right. You ready? I need, like, an introduction to this, like... You know, I don't know. A 60-year-old man. This is what the hell. This is news around the world where you go, what the actual hell is this? Like, what are we actually doing? Like, if we could get uh, a Dylan and guys, if we could get a Travis Barker uh, picture for this next with Kourtney Kardashian, that'd be awesome. But first, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. A 90-year-old man, a 60-year-old man my age, My age, a 60-year-old man, allegedly, let's go allegedly, had himself vaccinated against COVID-19 90 times in order to sell fake vaccination cards with real vaccine batch numbers to people not wanting to get vaccinated. He received up to 90 shots against COVID-19. In some place called Saxony, until they caught him. And then what he would do is he would sell the cards. So you don't want to get a vaccine, all right? I go get a shot. I give you my card. He showed up the second day in a row. They confiscated several blank vaccination cards from him. <laughs> now, here's the deal. This is the greatest line in this story. Now, this dude's in Germany. This is from U.S. News and World Report. Here's the deal. It was not immediately clear what kind of impact the approximately 90 shots of COVID-19, which brands and how it would affect his health. 
Now, look, if you're, if you're getting 90 shots of anything, I don't care if it's 90 shots of water, your stomach's going to be upset. 90 shots of whiskey, you're going to be in a coma. 90 vaccine shots where they really don't know what the hell is going on. Let's just say for the sake of argument, all right, let, do you think you're selling these things for 100 bucks a pop? If you are, then you're making what, nine grand? All right. If you can get a, what if you're selling for 10 bucks a pop? You're making $900 to get yourself shot up 90 freaking times now. COVID deniers refuse to get vaccinated in Germany, but at the same time want to have the passports. They're called passports in Germany so that you can go out into public restaurants, swimming pools, theaters, those kind of things. So this dude is a genius in terms of, I don't know, defrauding the public, but I can't imagine 90 booster shots. I don't think 90 tetanus shots would be good. I don't think 90 flu, I don't know. But if you're going, man, I got one of these shots and it knocked me on my backside for, I don't know, a day or two. I'm not saying it was forever, but it did knock me on my backside for a day or two. I don't know, man. Uh, I got a what the hell for you. And this is just something that I'll never understand. Like I'll, I'll never understand. Again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not right. I'm wrong. I am not wrong. All right. I'm not right. Um, I'll never understand the head and face tattoo attractiveness. Now you can call me whatever you would like to call me. Uh, old man yelling at clouds. You don't get it. You're right. I don't get it. Like Mike Tyson with that face thing. I'm sorry. I don't get it. I, I personally think Mike Tyson looked better without the face thing. I also think that Kourtney Kardashian is the hottest of the Kardashians. Now, make no mistake, yours truly has watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I remember Robert Kardashian sitting there at the OJ trial. That's the first time I ever knew the name Kardashian. And I always thought Kourtney was the hottest. Kim seemed the nicest. Uh, the youngest one, whatever her name is, seemed like the biggest. And these little kids running around, the Jenners or whatever they are, they're, now, they're just whatever. They're making zillions of dollars. They're doing their thing. Good for them. But I always thought Courtney was the hottest. I always thought Courtney uh, was nice and hot. And Scott Dysick was a jackass. And I, I did follow this stuff. What's your problem? You got a problem? What's your problem? You got a problem with me following this stuff? Hey, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you right there. Jennifer, you. Sean, I'm talking to you. Brad Buffington, yeah, you, George Monahan. But anyway, so I've never understood the face tattoo. I've never understood the head tattoo. True story. It was 1998, 1988. My brother and I and a bunch of our boys, we go to professional wrestling at Market Square Arena. Market Square Arena is, was basically where the Pacers played and all that kind of stuff. And it was the big $16,000, $17,000-seat facility. And we got great seats. We're sitting ringside. And Bobo, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow was there. Bam Bam Bigelow's wrestling. I go to the bathroom. My brother goes we go down, downstairs right off the arena. And here comes Bam Bam Bigelow after his match. And he's got a head full of head tattoos. And it was my first time ever seeing this. Remember, in 98, the only tattoos you saw were the anchor on guys that were in the Army. That's all you ever saw. I mean, I'm not saying guys didn't have them, but that's all I ever saw. I don't think I played with anybody in the 80s that ever had a tattoo. 
But hey, that's cool, whatever. I like tattoos personally. But it was the first time I saw it on a dude's head, and I'm looking as I'm peeing, and I go, hey, man, bam, bam, that, those real? And he gave me a look that said, if you even look at me, I will throw you through this brick wall, and I will end you. And I'm like, ooh, okay. I, from that point on, I've never been head or face tattoo guy. Well, apparently I am wrong because the nicest and the hottest of the Kardashians marries a dude that everybody should know, and his name is Travis Barker. Barker got married, or did he? Word on the street is he and Kardashian went to a chapel. They had an Elvis impersonator. So you got head tattoo guy, which is fine. There's anything wrong with that. Crazy reality show gal getting married in Vegas on the 4th of April with an Elvis impersonator. What could be better than that? What, what more than that says 2022, where we're at in this country? I don't know. I'm betting, I'm betting there's a couple of things here. I'm betting that Travis Barker is a great dude. Like, that's what I'm betting. He's an uber-talented guy. Uh, I, 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 you know, here, I, I got a picture here. It, it, I don't know. And I'm not judging. I'm just saying. I have never been the guy that gets why hot women go for face tattoo guy, for head tattoo guy. I've never been the guy that understood why hot guys go for head tattoo women. I just don't understand it. And if you do want to let me know about it, please email me, dan at 1070thefan.com, and explain it to me. I get the whole bad boy thing. I get all that. Who doesn't get that? Women like a bad boy. If you're a little wimpy dipstick, you're not going to get anybody that's any good. You're just going to get whatever it is that'll talk to you. But if you're a bad boy, you can look like a peacock, which is what this guy Barker looks like in a picture, and you can get the best looking and the nicest of all the Kardashians. Hey, bad. So good for him. But are they really married? I don't know. But getting hitched by an Elvis impersonator in town for the Grammy Awards, performing hours earlier with Lenny Kravitz, who I love, by the way, and H-E-R, who I don't know, by the way, and marrying a Kardashian, that's a hell of a weekend for a guy with head tattoos. That's a hell of a weekend. Good for Travis Barker. Now, we all give a Kardashian marriage, what? I don't know. Six months max? Maybe they're not even married? When's Chris come along and put the hammer down? I don't know. But when you're Travis Barker, that's a pretty good weekend. Now, the problem you got with marrying a Kardashian is that whole Kardashian thing. It's ruined many a man's NBA career. It has. Hey, look, you marry who you marry. Love is love, baby. I look at love as love. Why, side note, why isn't love is love when an older man dates a younger girl and everybody acts disgusted? I thought love was love. I digress. Anyway, what the hell? Travis Barker, good for you, man. Courtney Kardashian, good for you. You go, kids. Yeah. So, the NCAA tournament's over. It's over. It's done with. The biggest nightmare 
I think, for the NCAA, and maybe this isn't true, the people at the NCAA are really good people. I got to get these out of my ear. They're really good people. I don't care how much they're bashed. They're just really good people. Mark Emmert, I don't know. I wouldn't put him in a really good person uh, deal based on what I've heard, but I don't really know. He may be a great dude. What the hell do I know? But anyway, so the NCAA tournament is over. Now you do that whole stage thing, which I wish they'd get away with. Every place, there's a confetti comes. Some players go up on the stage. All right, it's great. Wonderful. I wish they'd get away with it. And then the old white guy comes up and presents the trophy. In football, it's like the Holy Grail is coming and everybody touches the Lombardi and all that stuff. And that's great. Wonderful. Okay. But in basketball, you get up there on the stage and Jim Nance is hosting it and you got self and you got players and the NCAA really doesn't want to have to give their trophy. The moneymaker, 98% of all the income for the NCAA comes from the men's basketball tournament. Remember, they're not involved in college football playoffs. They're not. The NCAA has no involvement in that. They've been kicked out of that and all that kind of stuff and that's fine, whatever. So their biggest prize, their gem right now, is the NCAA tournament. Well, I don't know if you know this, but for the last five years, the NCAA has been investigating. They've been investigating Kansas. Kansas is the last of the teams that has had their issue with the NCAA move forward from the federal trial. You know, they've had all kind of problems. They've had all kind of things, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is, that's where they're at, and they don't want to be giving their number one prize to, <laughs> to the team, to the coach, that, well, by the way, we are investigating. So Mark Emmert gets up there and obviously is nervous. Now, Mark Emmert has spoken to numerous, and I mean numerous, high-profile events, right? He's the head of the NCAA. He's the main man. He's the president, the commish, the gazda. HMFIC, he's it, baby. Well, he gets up there and congratulates the University of Kansas City. Kansas City University. Why? You know those commercials where you had one job? You had one job. That's all you had. Uno job. One job. Congratulations, Kansas University and Coach Bill Self. Bo, if we wanted to make it a little more difficult, congratulations, Kansas University, Coach Bill Self, on winning the 2022 Men's Basketball Championship Tournament. Now, it's easy just sitting here in front of a camera. I get it. It's a little bit different when you're in front of millions of people. Believe me. Believe me, I get that. I do. But come on. Come on. What the hell? So you're telling me that you can't come up on stage and say Kansas University, Bill Self, national champ. You could have even said it like that. Imagine if I'd have come up and said it like that. Hey, now we introduce Mark Emmert, head of the NCAA. Congratulations. Kansas University, Bill Self, national champions. It would have worked. The hell, Mark Emmerich? Like, Mark Emmerich is an easy target, okay? I'm an easy target. Hey, look, we get it. There are easy targets out in the media. Carson Wentz, easy target. 
The key to being an easy target is don't give any ammunition for those people that are coming after you. Like, don't worry about it, but don't give them ammunition. And by that, I mean just be prepared for moments. Like, people are going to make up things how they want to make up things on Mark Emmerich, right? They're going to say whatever they need to say because Mark Emmerich is an easy target. But you don't give them more ammo, particularly in the most public of circumstances, which is the NCAA championship game wards presentation. The biggest one, I assume, is the Super Bowl, right? I think the Super Bowl is probably the most watched, right? Even the awards presentation. So you really can't screw that up. But damn, can we not do that? Can we just not do that? I don't know. There are just, hey, look, there are some of us that we know, we know, we know you got to have your head on a swivel. We know you got to be, hey, hold on here. Wait a second here. We can't give them more ammo because like I got a lady named Dana, man, she was so happy. She writes for the Indy Star, Dana, Ben Bal, Humzaker. I don't know whichever way that goes. She can't wait to write bad stuff about me, right? She was so excited when my show did not start on time here at what she said was OutKick 360. (laughs) She couldn't even get, she was so bad, it is so bad, she couldn't even get the name right, right? My show didn't start when it was initially said because there's a lot to getting a show off the ground. You just don't show up. So she was all excited. She's calling people. Dockett's show didn't start. She called my guys Chad and Jonathan with OutKick 360. Article three, seven actually. Seven different tweets. It was more important whether my show started or whether or not there was violence downtown to the Indie Star. It was beautiful. It was glorious. It was really funny. Uh, the guys at 360 made fun of it. I made fun of it. If you have a brain, you made fun of it. But Dana... Benbow Hunzinger, Hunzinger Bimbow, Bimbow, Dana Hunzinger Benbow, I think. Is it Benbow Hunzinger? I don't know. But anyway, she can't wait. She'll be watching this because somebody will send her a text and say, hey, Dockage was talking about you again. But she can't wait. She's sitting there. What did he say? That's what people are doing to Emirate. Of course they are. Like when you make fun of Mark Emirate, your clicks go up. When they put an article and ask the article about me on their Facebook page, it's like 300 comments. They just did one on my coworker. There's like 10. I get it. We all get it. So, Emirate, don't give them ammo by saying something stupid. What the hell? I'll give you what the hell. Raise your hand if you've ever done this. Now, I got to read this because this is crazy. You ready for this? Maybe this is desperate and sad. I'll go with more desperate and sad, but it is certainly a what the hell. Uh, A Georgia woman named Robin Folsom, she faked a a pregnancy to get seven weeks of paid time off. However, it wasn't the first time she lied about giving birth. She's got an identity fraud thing. Listen to this. 
She, according to the inspector general of Georgia, Folsom told elaborate lies about her pregnancy while working as the director of external affairs at the Georgia Vocational Rehabilitation Agency. She informed them of a pregnancy in late 2020 and claimed to give birth in May of 2021. Her colleagues were suspicious because her baby bump wasn't quite right. Uh, They observed the lower portion of her stomach came away from her body and they thought, rightfully so, that Miss Folsom wore a fake pregnant suit. Yeah. In addition, she sent pictures of her new baby to other employees. However, the baby appeared to be inconsistent, the pictures I mean, and depicted children with varying skin tones. So she wasn't even smart enough to say, all right, this is going to be my fake baby. Which would be hard to do because babies don't stay the same for long. They credit her colleagues, the Department of Justice or whatever, they said they started putting two and two together. And they realized, wait a second, this is a little bit more serious. She said she gave birth a man named Bran Otmybibi emailed leaders and said he was the father of the baby and that doctors had mandated many weeks of rest following the delivery. They gave her seven weeks paid vacation that would not have been approved. Apparently, Bram Otmanbeben were was a figment of Miss Folsom's imagination. She made this dude up. We didn't find any evidence that he existed. That's why she's been charged with identity fraud. However, however, the story gets better because Miss Folsom has faked pregnancies before. Uh, she informed her bosses just three months after a birth, a supposed birth, August of 2021, that she was pregnant once again. They found there was no indication that she had ever been pregnant or ever delivered a baby. Now, she lied about the guy, Atman and the existence of her kids. She is resigned, she has resigned from her position and was indicted last month by a grand jury. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, they're pissed. (laughs) I mean, Georgia is mad. Now, nobody really knows the consequences. It says here that the consequences of Ms. Folsom's fake pregnancy is certainly up in the air. If found guilty, though, all right, she's going to go to court. Actually, she went to court the other day. She could spend 25 years in prison and $103,000 in 
fines. Actually, um, there's another woman. There was a woman who had a pregnancy that was actually a 57-pound cyst. Man, we got some stuff going. See, my initial reaction is to say, all right, you got to make fun of this, right? And then you start thinking a little deeper. Like, two things are in play here. One, desperation, right? I mean, and two, sister be crazy. Like, (laughs) how do you go and decide, hey, you women out there, how do you just decide one day, you know what? I'm going to wear a fat suit. I'm going to wear a fat suit. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to act pregnant. Doesn't it start out a little? Are there varying stages of fat suits? Like you start out and you're always sheepish about saying to a woman, hey, when's it due, right? When there's a little bump there, but you kind of know. And then the bump gets a little bigger and then it gets a little bigger and then it gets, you know what I mean? Um, Isn't there like stages? I feel like faking a pregnancy, in theory, might be a decent idea. In theory, it might be, I don't know, fairly easy to do. But in actuality, I got to believe there's got to be more to it. I got to believe that when you're walking around and you're faking a pregnancy, there's got to be, like, stages. Like, don't your fingers fatten up? I mean, I, I was a dad of two kids, and I, I helped a pregnant wife. And if there's a lot more to it, I kind of feel, than just showing up with a bump. I don't know, man. The world has gotten a little bit too wacky. I mean, or maybe it's too desperate. Like, I've got people saying to me, well, you have no empathy. What don't I have empathy about? Well, we're all in a hard place. So that ad on pause is power, you criticizing it, shows no empathy. I'm like, it's an ad. It's an ad campaign. It's an ad campaign drummed up by people at Powerade and Coca-Cola to get you to buy Powerade and Coca-Cola. I'm sorry. But empathy is not a part of my advertising. It's a freaking ad. Well, I can't believe I got, you know, well, dockage, typical, typical dockage, no empathy. I got empathy, but not for an ad, not for an ad campaign. You guys are like, hey, look, Santa isn't real. The Easter Bunny ain't coming. Swear to God. And ad campaigns are exactly that. Guess what ad campaigns are? Freaking ad campaigns. Well, Doc, it's, you know, a typical low feeder uh, criticizing the pause is power campaign. We're all stuck. It's, it's, it's been hard on us all, and you don't have any empathy. It's a freaking ad. Hey, look, a sitcom ain't real. I can't believe you don't have more empathy for the performers on Friends. It's 
a freaking sitcom. I don't. And if that makes me a bad guy, guess what? I'm a bad guy. I can't believe you don't have any empathy. No. Pause is power. I got two words for you. My ass. Get to work. And if you don't want to do the work, good for you. Don't do the work. But if you're going to do the work, do the work. Don't quit. Uh, If you're going to do the work, get your ass out there and get some stuff done. That simple. I mean, yeah, you want to take a pause, take a vacation, take a vacation. No one's saying you don't take a vacation. That's why they give you vacations. (laughs) Damn. Well, you know, I'm going to quit. Quit. Whatever. That's amazing to me. It it, it is. It's truly amazing to me. Like, we, we walk around and we worry about the dumbest. What a great country. Let's think about this for just a second. Uh, What a great country. We're trying to put masks on babies. That's right. I'm telling you, we are. We got all kind of stuff going on, and I cannot wait to talk to Allison Williams about it. The stuff we worry about in this country is astounding to me. Think about how great this country is. When the biggest worries that we have are so inconsequential. It, it, it's amazing to me. It is. Pause is power. Really? Why? Because power aid says so? Let me, let me explain to you. Pause is power. What's the name of the soft drink or the energy drink or whatever the hell that they're trying to sell? Power aid. You see what they did there? Pause is power. Buy power aid. Well, you're not empathetic. You're right. I'm not. You're right. It's a freaking ad. I, I, I can't believe I didn't cry at Ross and Rachel. I mean, when Ross and Rachel broke up, I just couldn't believe it. I don't know what I was thinking. What was I thinking? Oh, my God. Was Dr. Huxtable a real doctor? Oh, my God. What's wrong with you people? Somebody has something in real life, I got empathy. Somebody's trying to sell me a drink, I don't give a rat's you know what. It's amazing. It really is. Like, gone. I got empathy for people that deserve empathy, not people that are trying to sell me soft drinks. Hey, power. Pause is power. My power A. See? Power, power. See what they did there? Jesus. I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely astounding to me. But hey, I live in a world all my own. It's a good world, and I like my world. I do. I do. I should have added in the, in the What the Hell Wednesday, our guy. 81 million. I'm just going to call him 81 million from now on. Old 81 million walking around in the White House. (laughs) Oh, man. I love 81 million. He looks at you with those faraway eyes, and he's the president. 81 million people. You think voted for that guy. All right. All right. And if you say so, then I say so.
I will, by the way, for those of you that miss Ryan Burr, you just stay on my Twitter feed all day. I mean, I literally send out like every 10 minutes. Like I'm so driven to get more views and stuff that I send this stuff out every 10 minutes, right? Every single interview we do, we send it out. Couple of things from college basketball. If you watch the NIT, um, Jonas Hayes did a great job leading Xavier to the NIT championship as an interim coach. He just got named the head coach at Georgia State. The head coach at Georgia State was a guy named Rob Lanier. Rob uh, went and took another job. I think he took the job at SMU. So uh, Coach Hayes is there. Mike Schrage, my son worked for Schrage last year. Mike Schrage um, left uh, Elon and went to go be an assistant to John Schreier at Duke, which is interesting. You know, anytime a guy leaves to go become an assistant after being a head coach, I think it's interesting. Chris Holtman did that. He was the head coach at Gardner-Webb, and he left to join Brad Stevens or Brandon Miller and those guys over at Butler, and it worked out well for him. So I hope it works out well for Coach Schrage as well. All right, America owes Allison Williams an apology. You do. When she did not want to get vaccinated because she's smarter than you, uh, not afraid, not politically correct, she got ripped by you, by the American peoples. Allison Williams is owed an apology. We're going to talk to A-dubs right when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, I wasn't going to get into this with Allison because, frankly, I forgot she was pregnant. But, Allison, there's a lady in Georgia that faked being pregnant so she could get seven weeks off paid vacation. I said this. Like, one of the ways that they found out was her co-workers were like, wait a second, that pregnant belly is pulling away from – it don't look Stop. real. I said, man – Yeah, seriously. So she gets charged with all these felonies. There are stages to pregnancy that I don't think you can duplicate with a fat suit. (laughs) There's this thing that usually happens (laughs) at the end um, that is a result of pregnancy that's going to be pretty hard to fake. (laughs) And isn't that when you get, I mean, what? I guess you go on maternity leave before you have the baby so she could get that time. But like, what's her end game here? Like, is she not going to go back to work if she gets a couple paid weeks off? No, what she did was she made up a fake guy and the guy sent an email saying, hey, she's really sick. She needs this time off. But my point is, when you first start right. showing, that's different. From oh, being wait, did she blown, just like show up one day pregnant. and she had the full belly? Like she didn't. I she think didn't go. she did. I think so. Because they said. <laughs> like in the movies, they add a layer, right? Like each day or. They would add another layer. She just like showed up and was like, belly out. Hey, y'all got a baby. (laughs) That's really classic. (laughs) Man, that's like those stupid, right? Like that stuff just kills you. People think they can get away with. That's so good though. Right. Yeah. This is not fake. And you know, apparently (laughs) no, no. (laughs) Like you just, Hey, look, I'm pregnant. Really? What happened last week when I saw you? 
what? Nothing? No. And that's okay. always the funny thing too Damn. when you like do finally tell people. And they're all like, I knew it. I'm like, okay, so basically you've been thinking I was fat right. for how long now? For me, it was the not drinking thing that gave me away. People are like, uh, that like that's not normal for her. She doesn't turn down that extra glass of wine or another <laughs> vodka soda. What's going on? I couldn't hide it very well from people that I socialize with. Um, but yeah, that's always like the funny hey. thing when it's when you do finally tell people and they're like, I knew it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, great. So you thought you think I'm fat. Thanks. <laughs> See, that's not it. That's not it. But I get that yeah. that's what it becomes. The, it's a dangerous game for any guy. For it's anyone. a dangerous before and after the baby. Anyone. Yeah, but I'm, as a guy, I did it one time uh, after the baby. I said, oh, you're pregnant. No, we had the baby three weeks ago. Oh, jeez. You know what, though? Uh, I, give the, I give you grace because, right, super uncomfortable, like insert foot, all that stuff. But you're, I mean – your body, like I was shocked after I was pregnant, how pregnant I still looked. I mean, it's, and, and women should be given a little more <laughs> grace with that too. And talk about that more. Like just because the baby comes out, doesn't mean everything automatically goes back in place. And I feel like a lot of the, the women you see in Hollywood and in the media for some magical reason it does, but that's not normal. And that's, that's okay. Um, I, I was, I remember probably a good, oh my gosh, I don't, I think it took me a good two weeks to be able to put normal pants on um because my stomach was just still big and and weird and like just shaped um so th that all takes time i mean there's a lot that happens for these little miracles to to be so it's like yeah you don't want to offend anybody but i also i would not be offended if somebody thought i was still pregnant after i had a baby i was offended though when i had a friend of mine come up to me when i wasn't pregnant this was in the fall Oh my God. It was so awkward. Not pregnant at all. She came up to me and I hadn't seen her in a really long time. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it was the way the wind was blowing with my shirt on again. Maybe I just looked fat, but came up to me was like, Oh my God, how are you? Aren't you super pregnant? And I was like, mm, not even a little bit pregnant. <laughs> As if I was su super, Aren't you super pregnant. pregnant. I was just like, Oh, Oh wow. This is happening. Yeah. No, no. Super. What'd you say? I started laughing. I said, um, no, not that I know of. And uh, she's like, what? Oh, I guess somebody told me that. I don't know. Maybe I dreamt it. I don't know what I was thinking. And she like, got super <laughs> yeah. you know, uncomfortable and awkward and yeah. all those good things. And I, I fumed about it on the way home and maybe called her a neighbor too, but I got over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you can't talk your way out of that. Like, so, you should. Goodbye, Allison. <laughs> Turn and take a take a walk. Oh my God. Hey, what'd you think of the NCAA tournament? tournament? Um, I thought the tournament as a whole was like exactly kind of what we all needed, and it delivered in every level, um, from storylines and upsets to great basketball. Uh, I I was actually really happy with the way the title game played out because I always feel like I don't always but often that Monday game was kind of a letdown after Saturday right and I thought Duke Carolina was so good I just didn't know if Kansas Carolina could deliver as well and then the way the Jayhawks came back um to win it was was just incredible so um I I loved every moment of the tournament it felt I felt so much joy for the fans and the teams and the players after what they've been through the last two years and like trying to, you know, losing the tournament two years ago and then 
having this modified one last year that wasn't the real experience that the players that that were there for that or missed out on that and then um, got to maybe return and watch their teams or whatever. I was I was super glad for them. It did feel like this year in, in Dakage, tell me if it's just because I'm I'm out of it. Um, it felt a little bit like the old saying of give them bread and circuses. You know what I mean? Like it was like just this distraction from so much bigger stuff that was going on. And while I wanted it and I welcomed it and I needed it. And that's what I've always loved about sports is that it is that escape for so many people from like their day-to-day lives and so forth this year, I think because of the magnitude of things that we were escaping, it felt a little bit like that old Roman saying of like, just give them bread and circuses and they won't pay attention to what's really going on and the bigger grievances. Um, so I, I, I felt that part of it as I'm, I'm watching it. I'm like, there's just like this disconnect from what's going on in people's lives and in the rest of the world and all that. So that felt a little weird to me. Um, but overall, just, just super thankful to have it back and have it normal and, and have that, I guess, escape, even though I felt like it was a little, little weird this year for some reason. Friend of mine hit me up and said, Hey Dan, I'd be interested in what Allison thinks about this. Are there such things as super spreaders anymore? Wasn't that the big term when you had an event? Oh, I only saw people on press row and Roy Williams wearing masks and some cheerleaders, and, I guess. Yeah. Coach K's there, wife here and there. Is, is there a super? Um, yeah. Again, it's, it's, it's no, I guess not. I mean, because if, if there are, then we've had a lot of them and it should be everywhere. Um, and, and people would argue, look, those teams are all vaccinated. The majority of the country is vaccinated, blah, 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 blah. That's why they did it to get back to normal. Um, I actually saw, it was interesting. I saw a New York times article I think that was out today. And I, I just read a part of it, but questioning like why cases aren't back on the rise. It, and and it, it's it, the way it was phrased. It was almost like they were this isn't right. They should be back on the rise because there's too many people that didn't get vaccinated. And we don't have the rates that Europe does. And they have this rise and yada, yada. Um, I think I, I'm glad like to see that people are comfortable in what would have been called super spreader events a year or two ago. Cause I was worried that people would be so, um, I mean, people were so manipulated by this fear that was being perpetuated throughout the media and in society that I was like, people are going to be comfortable you know, in a stadium with 60,000 people indoors, shoulder to shoulder that you don't know. Like, I didn't, I didn't know how long that would take for people to get used to that and comfortable with that again. So I was actually glad to see um, how many people were like, nope, I'm good. Whether it's because you've had it or because you're not scared of it or because you're vaccinated, whatever your reason, I don't care. Um, I was glad to see that that many people were comfortable in that type of setting. Um, I didn't, I did find it odd how like the theatrics of it changed a little bit. And I don't know if that had to do with like local ordinances of the different site cities, but, um, you know, earlier in the tournament, I think it was everybody in the front row, like the first row of press row on the court was supposed to wear a mask, but nobody else, which just felt like a little bit of theatrics. And then by the end, like the cheerleaders didn't have on, nobody in the front row did. You had like a random kid with it around his chin and then, you know, a few here and there. Um, so it was kind of funny to see how it, it started one way and then it got to another, but it, it, it just reminded me too of the Super Bowl. Like if you're watching this, like you, we're, we're done, right? Like we're done. Are we, are we done? Are we not done? Like, I don't know. I, I just, the, the fact that like companies want to continue to do this dance with mandates and stuff. Um, I hope they watch that and see, like, there's obviously been a shift and how people feel and the fear they have and the concern they have over this virus at this point, which I'm, I'm, I'm hoping 
continues in that direction. When you when you look at Twitter, okay, Twitter dictates a lot. I mean, I know people say, uh, and I'm going to shift the I'm going to shift the the conversation here because I'm really curious your thoughts on this. What do you think Elon Musk, being the largest shareholder in Twitter, what do you think that will I impact? Hope a lot. I mean, honestly, I do. The freedom of speech that's taking place, and you can argue that Twitter is a private company, which it is, even though it's publicly held and traded. My argument is that the public square has shifted. So, you know, with our with our freedom of speech, the notion was like you can go on the public square and say whatever you want within, you know, certain restrictions, not inciting violence and so forth. Um, And and my argument is that in in 2022 social media has become the public square. So yes, I could go stand outside my house or, you know, in, in downtown and share my opinion, but I'm not going to reach the people that I would reach on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram or parlor, or whatever, whatever you're on. So I think when it comes to the interpretation of the constitution, the bill of rights, like we have to, we have to understand that the public square in which was protected free speech has changed and it's taken on a, a, a technological component to it, which does have um, a private company component. But I think in the modern day, that has become where we get out our free speech. Uh, Elon Musk's purchase of the, the shares of Twitter that he has, I think it's like 9% now, um, I think is is huge because, and I don't know how much like he can change company policy with his vote and being on the board now, if he's just one, if they need a majority and like how all those things work. But the problem is, and we're seeing this through company with companies throughout, throughout really the country, but probably the world, like they're all owned by the same people. So if that same agenda is being pushed, there's, there's no diversity anymore. I mean, there's like BlackRock, uh, Vanguard and State Street, they own everything. I mean, you think you have competitors, but they're owned by all the same people. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that this Elon Musk component can kind of shake that up a little bit because the people that are getting blocked on Twitter are just people that Twitter doesn't agree with. And that to me is inherently wrong, but unconstitutional. Um, I remember what I learned about free speech at the University of Miami and my professor, his big thing was the answer to bad speech isn't less speech it's more speech and i remember thinking like no they shouldn't be allowed to say that that's messed up like that's wrong that's rude it's 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 you know evil sometimes um like sometimes there are really terrible things said like they should they should be silenced and he he uh really broke it down that that if you can't support all free speech then you don't believe in any free speech because who are you to determine what is right and what is wrong and that's where we've gotten to in this country where companies think they can determine what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false. And we have all these fact checkers who then come out and, you know, it's revealed that they had different agendas. So um, the censorship of free speech in the, in the, the social media space, I think is a real threat to, um, to freedoms that we have always, you know, held dear as Americans. So I'm, I'm hoping Elon Musk can shake some, some things up in that space um, and everybody's like, get Trump back on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. But like the, the idea that that is even um, happening is, is concerning. And I, I don't think people realize like how far reaching that can be when you have government colluding with big tech to censor American citizens. Like that's, I don't, I don't know. That's not the future that I, I want to see the direction our, our country going. Is he the best guy 
like of all the people that you you know have enough money, have the wherewithal to go and get involved in this, is he the best one? I think so. It's hard to know when you don't know like their true intentions and stuff. And I feel like so many people can be bought. Um, But when you see the collusion that I think has taken place, maybe that's too strong of a word. They probably call it collaboration that's taken place with with big tech and government and big pharma. It's scary. Um, It's scary how quickly something gets taken off of YouTube for just mentioning a prescription that starts with the letter I that some people have used to treat COVID like it, it gets, you know, it gets flagged, it gets taken down. Um, so I think he is, I think he has more of a level headed approach to this. Um, and I think he is, is more, more for the people than probably a lot of those CEOs that are currently there are. And I just, I, I don't know. I mean, like when you're that rich, can you be bought? Like I obviously everybody has a price and, and, and we see, you know, how that affects people's decisions, whether it's like Gates or Bezos or any of those people, but um, I mean, he's so damn rich that like, I feel like he can't be as influenced maybe as some other people, if that makes sense. So I hope he is. Cause if he's not, I don't know who the hell is. But that's why, you know, that's why people always talk about a game being fixed in the NBA or the NFL. And I'm like, you're an idiot. These guys are making so much money. They're, they're, who's mm-hmm. who's going to buy them? You know, you know what I mean? It's a, it's, it, and I agree with Musk. He, he's got enough money that, Hey, look, uh, I don't see anybody being able to now, you know, uh, that's why I think he's kind of the guy. I think he, if you're going to say who's the guy, it feels like he would be. All right. So the New York city mayor is blasting Florida and wants people to come up to New York city from Florida over the don't say gay or that's what they call it. Bill. I don't want to leave Florida and go to New York City. I don't need high taxes, high crime when I'm living in no income tax and great weather. Is this a sign of the future where somebody sees another city or another state doing something wrong? So we're going to send billboards basically mocking them and try to get them out of their own place. Go for it. See in the future. Go for it. Do it. Spend (laughs) your money there, Mayor Adams, you lunatic. If he really thinks like, okay, first of all, let me rewind. If people are going to move out of the state of Florida, where you have no state income tax and good weather, minus the hurricanes, a few, you know, a few months out of the year, because of this, if if people are like, nope, my kindergarten needs to learn about sexual orientation and gender identity, and I want it coming from the public school where I have very little control over it, and that's what I demand because that is equality, then move. And great. And if you didn't realize that New York could be the place for you, well, now you know, and I'm sure Florida will be just fine. This is what, like, (laughs) I found this fascinating. I don't think people realize, um, I'm just not, like, I'm not sure this is a good strategic business move because do do you know what percentage of the population is gay? What would you guess? Uh, Less than, less than one. Less than one is transgender. 3% of the population is gay. Okay. So that's a very, that's the U.S. as a whole, not just Florida, but the U.S. as a whole. So that's a very small percentage of the population. Now, you could still be straight and feel like, well, I still want my child to learn these things. But you're not appealing really to a large pool of people in the state of Florida to come to New York for this reason. So for that, I'm not sure this is a great investment of his investors' money. Um, But honestly, again, go for it. Like, People should people should be able to go and live where they feel like they can best raise their children with the culture and the the morals um, that they want. I mean, like the rules in Wyoming are probably different than a lot of the stuff in Tennessee or New York or California. 
that's for a reason. People are different. They feel differently. They want to raise their children differently. They want to have different values. That's fine. Like good mayor Adams. Good for you. Put that billboard up and try and get people to move for that reason. I'm not sure it's going to be effective. Um, but if, is, if that's what really matters to you, well, now, you know, you have that option. Um, he's the absolute worst. He's the worst. Did you see the woman that he fired or got <laughs> fired? The city lawyer for calling out the kids, um, mass mandate that he promised to lift. And she like poses a reporter, first of all, total badass and called him out on it and ended up getting fired for it. Like he's just the worst. He's the worst. But, um, yeah. Do you, do, do you see this happening in other places over other issues? Where, where you literally go put billboards. Like, we saw it in recruiting yeah. in football. Like, Rutgers made a big push in Southern Florida, right? That's the first thing I thought of. Like, is this going to happen? Billboard like, wars. the California Visitors Bureau. <laughs> Over right. issues. Like, hey, there's billboards when I drive to work. Hey, Michigan's beautiful in the summer, whatever the hell the Pure billboard Michigan. is. Come to Michigan. Pure Visit Michigan. Michigan. <laughs> yes, yes. That's, that's different than, hey, like... We will, we'll tell you how your baby's gender is in third grade, so come here. I, over, are we going to see them more and more of that over Probably. issues? I mean, I feel like states? everything is so in your face now. Um, it's, it's all going to be how it's received. And I think that's the bottom line for people. Like, it, it, it's, it's all about the attention it gets. It's all about the impact it has. If it works and, you know, it drums up the publicity he wants or the response he wants, then, yeah, we're absolutely going to see it, which is, is just it's, it's so bizarre. And this like infighting with now DeSantis and him and it's, it's so silly. Um, it really is. And I, I, I just like, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know how much longer you can take people like this seriously. I, I, right. I mean, doesn't it just feel so childish and I don't know. I, I just, it seems it seems beneath what right. you're supposed to do. In, right. In like opinion. I thought we were getting back it's, to it's, decency it's like, in politics and all that. And like, now we're doing billboard wars. <laughs> you know, one of the things that somebody, uh, I, I have very few friends that are thoughtful, as you well know, but they did mention to me, like DeSantis got attacked by, I think it was the Miami Herald. And one of my friends who is in politics here in Indiana said, you know, Dan, that's the best thing could possibly happen for DeSantis because where we're at with the distrust of, of media in general, newspapers in particular, I don't know that I agree or disagree with that. What are your thoughts on that? A newspaper really coming out hard against a guy who's pretty well, popular. Well, I think he has shown a craft for, um, for navigating the criticism really, really well. Like I'm thinking back to, was it the 60 minutes piece they did that criticized him for contracting with like Publix to get the vaccines distributed in the nursing homes. Do you remember that whole piece that it was, it was, it was like yeah, set yeah, up to really yeah. make him look yeah. bad and look like he was um, kind of playing favorites. And he, um, he dismantled that argument so quickly and, and factually that it almost worked in his favor. So I think with someone like DeSantis, who really seems to um, be consistent in, in what guides him, 
I think a piece like that isn't going to do a lot of harm because of his ability, again, to dismantle arguments and say like, no, these are the facts and these are why I made the decisions. Like he's, he is not. And and that was something I noticed with him very early on the pandemic. And I appreciated about him and I'm not a big, um, like I never really get into politicians. I think they're all shady. He probably is too. But one thing I appreciated about him was he always said why he was making the decision. Like Newsom would come on our TV and he would just tell us, this is the decision trust me, this is what we have to do. End of discussion. And I, I just, well, show me why, like, like what are, what are you looking at that I'm missing here? And he would never do that. And there was a point, even when he tried to like block information from being shared with the public, because he said it would just confuse people. And DeSantis has always taken the opposite approach. And I respect that about him. And I think that's why he's built up the trust he has um, with his constituents. So I, I think there is a huge mistrust right now of mainstream media, uh, newspaper, print, otherwise, what have you, that could factor into it. But if it was a really, um, a really alarming piece, I think DeSantis has the capabilities to kind of factually, piece by piece, go in and break it down and explain what he needs to explain. And that's something that I think uh, a lot of politicians have lost the ability to do that the people have really um, appreciated with DeSantis and has resonated. And one of the reasons he's grown in popularity throughout the past two years, where I think everybody else has been kind of like fed up of everyone else. (laughs) Yeah. I remember my father telling me, if you lie a lot, it becomes exhausting Mm -hmm. because you can't remember your own lies. Right. And so if 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 you haven't or you're being upfront with people and all of a sudden an article comes out, that's not true. You have the facts on your side and having the facts on your side always seems to be a good Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. And that's what I think we've seen with him. And when he's had press conferences and he brings his, you know, attorney general out and he's like, this is this is what we're seeing. This is why we're making these decisions. It's hard to argue facts Um, now. Facts have become like a very loosely used term these days, <laughs> but right, right. It, it, it at least helps kind of make your point and justify your position a little bit. Um, what's up with the show? We're getting there, man. It at? is like, it's so crazy. When you're used to working in live events, things are so different, right? There's like start date end time, get, you know, um, but hopefully the, by the end of the month, we'll have a couple of the interviews knocked out um, and ready to, to push out this summer when... I'm pushing out something else to be really convenient. Um, <laughs> but, but we're, we're, we're getting oh. there and I'm, I'm hoping once we get the ball rolling, we can build up some momentum and again, just have some conversations that are open and honest with people without an agenda, because it's like, I'm just sick of how everybody has an agenda, right? Like, doesn't that just feel like oh. everybody is pushing a narrative and, oh. and we're stuck in these like thought silos um, and so I'm hoping to break out of that a little bit. And that's like, that's the thing I appreciate with the daily wire too. And, you know, the whole Disney drama and all that, um, it's like, give people an alternative. So like, and, and that's kind of like the mayor Adams thing, like, great. If you want to give somebody an alternative, give them an alternative, let them vote with their dollars with where they live, what they choose to do, what they choose to consume. And, um, I'm, I'm happy that I feel like we're getting a more, I feel like there's more diversity of options now. Um, that people can say like, no, I'm not going to spend my time or my money supporting companies or programming that, that don't um, align with, with what I feel or, or are disaligned. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to give some people more options, continue to get kind of in that space of like, you don't just have one silo that you have to listen to and be stuck in. Yeah, and have adult yeah, conversations. And- I mean, adult conversations... 
They, adult conversations don't no. come easy. No. Let's put, let's put it no, that they're way. few and far ah, between. Hey, that's, that's why I love having you on. I feel like it's my, my, like Lee and I try to have adult conversation at least every night that I'm not watching the NCAA tournament. But you are my adult conversation on air every week. I swear to God, and I, I love having it. I do. I love having you well, on. Well, thank you. Awesome. And I appreciate you having so this you with go. me because my, my conversations um, are usually with the two and a half year old. So those definitely aren't adult conversations. So <laughs> <laughs> it's good to like use real English and then talk in a normal voice yeah. for a little bit. To someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I'm not talking to Lee, I'm usually talking into a mic by myself, which is weird to begin yeah. with for three hours. And, or I'm talking to myself and she looks at me and she'll go, who are you talking to right now? Who are you talking to? I go, oh man, I just ripped so-and-so. <laughs> really? You're sitting in the kitchen. You're not ripping it. I go, no, it's in my it brain. It'll come out later. Like yeah. Oh, oh it's yeah. a fun time. Yeah. Have a great rest of your week. And I uh, can't wait Thanks, to talk Zach. to you next week. Rest. Thanks, we'll Allison. Oh, man. I love that woman. She's pregnant. Lucky kid, man. Lucky kid. Lucky family. Lucky us to have her on. Because I'm telling you, it's an adult conversation. And it's always really, really good. Um, I gave you the fade today. If you don't, if you're just joining us, uh, I put I put 100 bucks on Brooks Kepka to win 2100. You want a fade? There's a fade. Uh, Ryan Burr gave us five. He gave us Kepka, DJ, Adam Scott, Oosthuizen, and Terrell Hatton. Those are uh, Ryan Burr's next five. If you missed Ryan and you want to catch him, he's coming on with me. I think at one o'clock at 107.5 The Fan. You can join me there if you want more of this nonsense. Do me a favor. If you're on Twitter, just retweet parts of the show for me, would you? We want to get this thing going. We're also going to try to set up where it's more interactive with people to call in maybe or have... uh, We have an email. I just haven't done a very good job of getting it locked and loaded. Can't thank Ryan, of course, and I can't thank Dylan enough, our guest, Ryan Burr, and, of course, the lovely, the uber-talented, the oh-so-smart... Uh, Allison Williams. I hope everybody has a great rest of your day. Tomorrow, Master Sunday. I'm going to be doing this. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever y'all think. Just talk amongst yourselves because the Masters is on and I love it. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Doc, it's out.